Hello and welcome back to Mouthpiece. I am Savage Dan. I'm the magic man, Paulie Malanaji. And as always, we will be giving you the insight into the world of boxing. As always, remember to like, comment, subscribe, leave us questions. And speaking of questions, the best one from last week was, who is the greatest heavyweight of all time? You can only pick one option. I mean, the all for me, the greatest heavyweight of all time because of not just in the ring, but outside the ring, everything he stood for, the kind of person he was, and of course, an excellent champion is Muhammad Ali. So yeah. um, do I necessarily think he beats every single heavyweight in history? I don't know if he necessarily does, but but for me, uh, he's elite level. Possibly he beats every, every, every heavyweight in history on a certain given night, but I will say that he's the greatest for a lot of reasons. Um, he and he, there was an allure about him. He was one of the most. He became iconic and one of the most famous individuals on the planet because of so many reasons, and not just his ability to be a champion inside the ring. Yeah, I agree. You know, there's there's a lot of names you can throw into the hat. There's Joe Jackson. There's Joe Louis. There's there there are so many George Foreman. Um, but when when you hear the word greatest, there's usually only one that comes to mind. It is obviously Muhammad Ali. Um, right, let's review the weekend's results. Uh, nowhere better to start than with Conor Ben. He got a first round stoppage of Vargas. I didn't see a blowout like that coming. What about you? <laughs> nah, I'll tell you, uh, Conor Ben has uh, been steadily improving, getting better and better. And this was a statement. This was a statement because yeah. Samuel Vargas was not a guy who's been taken out like this. He's always been you know, subpar when it comes to being at world-class level, but he's been able to handle himself in the ring with world-class guys. He's not been blown out of the ring like this. So, Conor Ben, even if you were going to say, okay, Samuel Vargas is uh, a little bit shop-worn and maybe he's not as durable as the guys, bef uh, as, as when he fought those other guys, it's possible I may give you that, but not one round. I mean, this was a 90-second blowout. Conor yeah. Ben... Not just it's just it wasn't just about the fact that it was a blowout. It was not a one punch knockout where you say, okay, he just clipped him, he caught him. Some really creative and nice smooth combinations by Connor Ben. Uh, nice footwork to enter enter the punch zone, uh, closing the gap, and then letting his hands go in the right way. Uh, and like I said, creative creativity on the combinations he was throwing. I mean, it was a masterful performance in in in, in a very violent way in such a short time. It Again, is that way. So, it's violent, isn't it? Because it looks like every shot, even even a jab has, you know, loads of snap. The right hand whips over the left hook. Everything looks like it's thrown with venom, with real intention, with real purpose. Yeah, and, and it was a, a statement win. And again, it was it was just yeah, you could you talk great great point then with the venomous intentions and all that, but also just the smoothness at which it came out. You know, sometimes you throw angry punches and they come out looking a little bit, a little bit sloppy, even if they land, or they come they come out not looking as smooth. I mean, this was a smooth Violent performance. I, it really, really impressed me. I'll tell you, it really, really, it really. What's that did. down to? Balance. You know, yeah, definitely balance. It starts with your balance, of course, because you won't if you don't punch off of your balance, you won't be able to follow up with the combination. You know, you may yeah. you're gonna be you're gonna lose steam on the combination after the first one or two punches. But when you're punching with solid balance, you're able to not only continue your combination, but to continue your combination and be effective with the rest of the combination. And that's really what Conor Ben showed there in that explosive combinations uh, and the explosive combinations that he ended the fight with. But not just that, also the creativity. I mean, he, he mixed in some uppercuts in there, uh, hooks, you know, so they, they came around from different angles. So Vargas didn't know where to cover up a turn two. It just came so fast, so sharp, 
and so uh, again creative that it, it, he was he was completely blown away I mean, and I was completely blown away by the performance yeah. very intense in the ring very intense outside of the ring also it, it, it seems like when he's given his post fight conferences he's ready to fight anyone and everyone right there and then the name that he kept yeah, dropping I, was was a man I noticed there was I noticed it was talking about, yeah, about Mir Khan and, and, yeah. and things like that. Um, here's the thing, my, my take on that. Um, a guy like Amir Khan has been to the top of the mountain. So I think in order to allure him, get him back and get him in the ring to fight you, um, especially a guy like Khan who doesn't really need the money and lives living comfortably, you probably have to bring a world championship to the table. I don't necessarily think it's a bad fight for Conor Ben at all. I think it's a great fight for Conor Ben to, to get Amir Khan. But you need to have the allure to get Khan into the ring mm -hmm. against uh, a Conor Ben. So you need something that Khan, um, that Amir, can take out of the fight in case he would win it. You know, and, yeah. and right now, Amir Khan gets nothing out of the fight in case he would win it. You know, um, I don't think it's wrong that Conor Ben wants the fight. Uh, but until you win a world championship, you're going to be stuck fighting maybe a little bit above level of Samuel Vargas. Maybe you'll possibly be able to fight some guys who performed well in world championship fights as opposed to guys like Samuel Vargas who performed well against solid ex-champions, you know? Yeah. Um, I think maybe that's the next step, guys who have challenged for world titles. I remember Teofimo Lopez on his way up the ladder blew away Diego Magdaleno. Magdaleno had been in world championship fights, and uh, and the, the performance Lopez put against Magdaleno really impressed me. I can remember that very vividly. So I think... Conor Ben's next step might be against a guy who has uh, has um, has uh, challenged for world championships and maybe perform well in those fights, but maybe come up just short. But to get an ex-champion into the ring, especially a fading ex-champion, you probably want to hold that title so that they have a reason to want to yeah. take that risk at a point in their career where they're probably not looking to take too many risks. And so well, that's why... I think um, I don't think Amir is going. I don't think the fight is, is suitable for Amir. It's obviously very suitable for Connor, but I don't think it's very suitable for Amir. And I understand that. It it didn't take long for Amir Khan to respond via Twitter. Anyway, he tweeted, "Connor, well done, great kid. Wish him all the best. At this age, I was a world champ. Maybe if he had some belts, the fight would make sense. He's got a long way to go yet." Yeah, it's, and that's it, the thing. I, don't, I, I agree. Yeah, and I, I I do agree, but I don't agree with the last part. Uh, with I I think it was a little subtle jab by Amir. He's it got was, a long way it to was go yet. I don't yeah. think I don't think I don't think Connor has a long way to go. I really think yeah. Connor is ready for to step up to elite level and see how he does against that elite level. So I don't think he's got a long way to go. So I thought that was a little bit of a subtle jab, but but point taken. Uh, it's not a fight that really interests Amir until you get a world championship in there. Also, um, how long has Amir has it been since Amir? Fought last was it the Billy Dib fight or did he it's, fight it's after? It is a it's a while ago. He's on he's he's a so, reality TV. Yeah, so so yeah, so with Amir too for Amir too. If he's going to be demanding guys win world championships before he fights them, it's acceptable. But he's probably got to get himself into the rankings. I don't think if yeah. you I think if you've had such a long layoff, I don't know that I don't know where you'll position yourself in the rankings. Granted, these things get manipulated anyway. But I'm just yeah. saying you probably got to come off a, a recent win. Um, so Amir probably still has to take uh, some kind of recent win, even if Conor was to win a world championship and lure him into the ring. At that point, though, if Conor wins a world championship, you get guys. Now you're in the mix to give guys like Kel Brook a world title fight, Amir Khan a world title fight. Now you're in the mix where you can take on these ex-champions who are you know, looking faded, yeah. especially that they're both British iconic stars. 
and really, really build up your name, you know, uh, from from many levels, you know. So uh, I think Conor Ben's in a great position. I love the also the rivalry with Florian Marku. I really like that rivalry, yes. but I think at this point, I think at this point, uh, Marku is probably better off continuing his rise and uh, um and ascending, and those two guys can get it on in a in a much bigger fight. At this point, I think that rivalry has passed its point of fighting each other right now. I think now you need it to become just very, very big. Let there was a point where, yeah, there was a point where I think they could have fought each other um, on the rise. But at this point, I think now they're both past that. And I, I, don't, I don't think the fight's worth it to make now. Now I think you both reach uh, um, reach the top 10, top 15 level, uh, uh, maybe, you know, maybe being on a world championship level. And then you fight, you know, where the fight's valuable to both. Savannah Marshall also won. Uh, she had a late replacement in Maria Lindbergh. Uh, emphatic stoppage. Um, and it's it's kind of the statement we were looking for, Paulie. When we spoke about it last week, we did say we needed not just a win, but to look good so that that Clarissa Shields fight becomes, you know, uh, wanted. Yeah, I, I, I think Savannah, um, she, she did very well um, and handled her business the way she was supposed to. You know, uh, Lindbergh was a, a late-minute replacement, last-second replacement. So I do think that, um, you know, it, it's it's... It's a must if you want to draw Clarissa Shields uh, an impression out of Clarissa Shields. It's a must that you um, you get that uh, kind of statement win. Maria Lindbergh has been a girl that's you know been durable, has been in with some good fighters, but mm -hmm. I don't know if she was just shop worn or if it was just a three four days notice that she took the yeah. fight on. Um, she just looked completely incapable. I mean, if Savannah keeps landing the same overhand right, and when she misses it, she throws the left hook to the body. That's that's what Savannah was showing me. She remember showing me those two things. It was the overhand right, um, some solid jabs on the outside. Don't get me wrong, smooth yeah. boxing, solid jabs on the outside. But then the attack position, the offensive attack to hurt you position. She was taking the approach of overhand right, uh, left hook to the body, and especially if the if if she got Lindbergh to bend underneath the overhand right. She her feet were now planted, and she was uh, sitting duck for the hook to the body. So smart uh, uh, way of setting shots up, uh, and then uh, the counter right hand dropped her for the first time. The first knockdown was on a counter right hand. It was the same. It was the same kind of thing where she uh, she 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 looped the, the right hand uh, this time over the top of the jab. So nice nice job of timing Lindbergh. But I don't know. I, I just felt like Lindbergh reminded me of somebody you'd see when you're fighting coming up the ladder. It, it, yeah. it, yes, she took the fight on three, four days notice, but it doesn't mean she should be this incapable. You know, like if a girl is coming over the top of you consistently, shoot a faint, you know, faint and 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 and, and draw that false counter out of her mm -hmm. uh, or make her hesitate in order to see when she's going to counter. If, if, I, I remember when I was fighting, if somebody was starting to time my jab, if somebody was starting to time me over the top of it, I would start fainting with the jab more. This way, now you don't know if I'm coming with the jab or if I'm setting you up to draw the counter out of you so I can counter your counter. You know, so so these are things, I'm only mentioning this because these are things that Savannah is going to see with a, with a girl of Clarissa's level. You know, uh, it's going to be a, a, a high-level chess match uh, uh, and with both girls obviously looking to make a violent statement. Here's where I was impressed with Savannah. Smooth jab on the outside, more snap to it. Uh, uh, and and really, she gets if when she when she finds her range for that right hand, but she's tall and she's rangy. So when she extends, is able to extend properly on her right hand, she can do some damage. But she's gonna need that consistent jab, I think, uh, the smooth, snappy, consistent, and creative jab in order to get Clarissa's respect. Because you're not gonna land those heavier shots 
that easily or yeah. even as easily easily in general if you don't have your jab working for you against Clarissa because Clarissa is not going to just either make you miss or take the shot. Clarissa is also going to counter you if, yeah. you're, if you're making those mistakes, something Lindbergh was not doing. But nonetheless, having said that, the performance based on what she had in front of her was exactly what we needed. You're right there. Eddie Hearn is constantly saying that Savannah Marshall is the pound-for-pound pound hardest women's puncher. It doesn't matter to Clarissa Shields, who says, Savannah Marshall cannot f*** with me. Too slow. I'm happy she called me out. She hasn't got what it takes to, to beat the greatest woman of all time. Eddie Hearn, if you love me, pay me. So she wants to fight. Hopefully we yeah, get Yeah, I mean, Clarissa's shown us that she's been willing to fight anybody in and around her weight class. Uh, I think Savannah showed some good power, but... Um, I've got to see it against, uh, you know, some more capable fighters to see if she's the yeah. hardest puncher. I mean, I, I think it goes without question that Savannah's a capable world-class female fighter. Um, I, the hardest puncher that I've seen in female boxing in, in this era so far is Jelena Mardinovich. I mean, I've seen her knock guys out cold, knock, knock girls out cold, you know, where, they're, where they're, you got to get the smelling salts out. It's very rare to see a girl get have that kind of power. Um, yeah. But... Um, Savannah is showing a, a good mix of a lot of things, and and I think, um, I think you know the the, the fight if if Eddie can pay Clarissa, and they can make this fight. I mean, I don't I don't see why I don't see the problem with making it right now. You have a built-in rivalry. Uh, Savannah did what she was supposed to do last night, um, and Clarissa has is looking for a competitive fight. She's she's, mm-hmm. she's yet really to catch anyone who has even been able to put her in a troubling situation where we'll have to judge her based on her character and not just based on her uh, boxing prowess. Because right now, Clarissa has not been put in any really difficult situations to where you can say she has the championship character inside of her. Yeah. Um, um, I think at a certain point, everybody uh, has to go through that. Even Floyd Mayweather, who always made it look so easy. There were moments in fights where, you know, maybe the, the naked eye doesn't, the, the, the layman doesn't, show, doesn't tell you he's in trouble, but he's got to really work his way out of certain situations. He just made it look so easy that you didn't notice it. Clarissa, though, the fights I've noticed, she has been in absolutely no trouble at all. So, and, and that goes to show how, just how good she is. It's a testament yeah. to how, just how good she is. But at the same time, uh, I'd love to see her be put in positions where she's got to dig in a little bit. Even if she makes it look easy, she may have to get posed at those positions. She may be posed at those situations and then and then uh, she still makes it look easy. But a guy like me, I recognize when you're put in those situations. Maybe the layman doesn't, but I have not noticed she's been put in those kind of situations yet. We'll see if Savannah can be the girl to do it. Another women's bout was Courtney and Bridges. That was a that was a grueling fight, to be fair. It was, it was pretty bloody. Um... Uh, Courtney got a cut to her head, but it, and it was back and forth for a bit. It was a bit crude, let's say, from Bridges, but it was a good win for Courtney. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, also the entertaining kind of fight you need. You're looking at a female fights, you know. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes the, uh, the 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 detractors try to say, oh, you know, uh, you know, they have to put on the same kind of fight. Sometimes the female fights are actually better, and these yeah. girls gave us a good a good a good account of themselves. Are we in the best? women's era of boxing ever i think so yeah but i think that's also natural progression too yeah you know if you look at all sports uh football uh uh, american football baseball uh hockey basketball i think every era especially the old time eras yeah they were good but you look at the more modern eras you know you start to look at the the more more modern eras and the guys and guys and girls are just faster sharper better technically um better thinkers um 
even even now uh, to make the MMA comparison, I mean, we have seen the full scope of mixed martial arts from the beginning. I mean, at least I have because I'm old enough to remember yeah. the very first UFC and now the mixed martial arts, the sport of mixed martial arts today. It's like night and day. I mean, they look like cavemen fighting in, in the first UFC. They, they, they didn't even, they, half of them didn't know what they were doing, you know? And and now you've just got guys with skill on top of skill on top of skill. So yeah. so really, um, I think it's just natural progression by the females as well. Um, I think now you're starting to see yet a, an era, a generation where you're seeing females that are pros that have had the full scope of boxing experience since their children. You never had that before. When women's boxing first uh, started being sanctioned as a professional sport, even an amateur sport, you still had just full-grown women just going into the sport. Now you're starting to see the era come about where those originals were the laid the blueprint for children that were girls, little girls, to start boxing. And now those little girls have turned to full-blown women, and they are showing the world-class skill. So I absolutely agree with you, Dan, that... Uh, women's boxing is in the best era it's been right now, um, and the pioneers of of of, uh, of the early women's uh, boxing, the sport of women's boxing, really need to be credited for that because some were better than others. I mean, I remember, for example, uh, Lou Delval's sister, Melissa Salomon, was a super slick, super good fighter that never got the credit she deserved because mm-hmm. you know you just you just you, they, nobody was paying attention to it, and uh, and too many female fights were just full of just brute fights instead of uh technical fights and i remember uh thinking wow this girl you know not for lack of a better comparison i was like this girl fights like a guy smooth moves angles and everything so i think you know girls like that christy martin obviously layla all those uh originals who layla i think was also ahead of her time um i think um they laid the blueprint and the building blocks for the women of today to have to be the the champion fighters that they are because those women of today were children and started boxing watching those girls also, there was a very good sixth round stoppage for Ennis, who beat Lipinets, and I, I think we all kind of saw that one coming. I, I've been, I've actually been counting these scores, and uh, as you probably expected, Paulie has got every single prediction right. I got one wrong, and that was Bridges. I thought Bridges could maybe do something against Courtney, but um, no, it wasn't to be. But that that was a, another very very good win, wasn't it? Yeah, and I I feel, I tell you what. I'm not going to say the shock was that Ennis wins, but there was a shock factor to this fight nonetheless because it was the way he disposed of Sergey Lipinets. Really, really sharp skills. Duran Ennis is a complete package here. He's got yeah. sharp skills, terrific punching power. Um, and what I mean by sharp skills is he's terrific balance, as we talked about with Conor Ben, but also goes down to the body, goes down to the head, mixes his shots very well, very creative, can counter, can lead. I mean, he's got the full package. For me, Jerron Ennis is a guy who's going to be around for a while. Even the last combination where he stopped, uh, where he stopped Lipinets, uh, when he, he started with the uppercut, and Lipinets uh, made kind of kind of dipped on the uppercut, right? He kind of he kind of uh, swayed the uppercut a little bit with his glove, so the uppercut missed. But what you did was you got the reaction to keep Lipinets in place for your hook. Lipinets, being the world class fighter that he is, you know, an ex ex world champion himself, tried to ride with the uppercut to make it miss, and then come back with his own hook. And it's from the southpaw position through the uppercut and hook. So their hooks are taken off from the same side. Because yeah. uh, Ennis's uh, right hook is coming from the side. Lepinitz's left hook is coming from. Yeah. But Ennis's, uh, Ennis's right hook gets there faster. Why? Because it's shorter, more compact, and that's the end. That's the that's actually the shot that ended the fight. So Lepinitz went to ride with the uppercut, shoot shoot the hook, yeah. but it got there second, which means it didn't get there because Lepinitz's yeah. hook was shorter and faster. So again, the small details 
uh, really go a long way when you reach a world-class level. And Lipinets is an ex-world champion, but he's by no means a, a guy who's totally faded. You know, he's still at a pr pretty good age where he can be effective. But Jerron Ennis, just, just too good. And I think, like I said, he's going to be around for a while. It's the minor details. The things you see really, really kind of spit at you and like, wow, you know, like they kind of get your attention. But even the middle, little, little minute details that I catch of this guy, he's really, really very, very impressive. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's a top, top fighter. All right. But I, um, I want, I want to, I do want to get into Joe Smith and Vlasov though, because that was a yes, really, really course, good yeah. fight. That was a really, really good fight. Uh, Joe Smith, uh, the New Yorker, native New Yorker, um, lunch pail, bring your lunch pail kind of fighter. You know what I'm saying? He's never, he's always been a guy who's uh, had the odds against him. Really strong, rugged guy, construction worker type out of New York. Really a blue collar guy. Nicest guy if you meet him. Not a big talker, uh, but a, a, a solid, solid both human being and fighter. And, I mean, if we look at the road to this this guy has had, I mean, from knocking out Fonfara when he was about a 30 to 1 underdog to then knocking out Hopkins to uh, uh, that I think he lost to Sullivan Barrera, which I don't even know why they put him in with Sullivan Barrera because stylistically, <laughs> Barrera just moves all over the place. You got a guy who just came off those two big wins. You want to keep guys in front of him. You realize his punching power was his main his main strategy. So, so you lose to Sullivan Barrera, but then he knocks out uh, later Alvarez. Uh, again, another fight when he, where he's an underdog. So, yeah. so consistently has beaten the odds. Hasn't had the most generous matchmaking either. And has so... Um, because again, if you come off two solid wins off of Fonfara and Hopkins, where you were a thirty to one dog, and then you were a three to one dog, you don't get, you shouldn't get put into that matchup where the style is completely unfavorable to you. You know, at least you can put, you should be put in a, in a world class fight against the guy who stands in front of you. So yeah. he had a comeback after that setback, and then continue to do what he does. The Vlasov fight in February got canceled because of uh, COVID. I think Vlasov uh, tested positive for COVID, even if he had no symptoms. And he actually said during the broadcast that uh, he had he didn't even have the antibodies when he got tested again. So I don't even know how he had COVID if he has if he was no symptoms and he had no antibodies when he got tested for it in April. The new variant, um, but, the Mars variant. The, the more the, the yeah maybe the old variant I don't know but but it was two it was two months ago and then he's got no antibodies when he tested negative for the, right before this fight so I don't even know how this works anymore but regardless of that um, Vlasov I, I want to get into this fight because it was a real solid technical fight and it was really really entertaining fight um, first off Smith is known as a puncher right you you expect a guy to yeah. Vlasov who has a little bit of an awkward style to dance around him and use his movement but Vlasov employed a, an interestingly strategic style and I think for this reason he was not only able to throw Smith off a bit but also he was able to last the distance um and in a, in a very competitive fight where you know you get you have an argument to say he won it too I mean I, I think the fight could go either way mm -hmm. um he stood right in front of Smith a lot of head movement and box Smith from not, I wouldn't say the pocket, but from the middle range where he was always in range to be hit with a big power. And for the majority of the fight, he backed up the power puncher. Now here's the thing about punchers. They're not used to being backed up like this. So I think the yeah. reason Vlasov was able to not really be hurt in the fight, I do think uh, I'm going to get into the 11th round in a second, but I do think the Vlasov was able to not even really be hurt in the fight as he took some, a couple of good clean shots during the fight was because Smith was punching off the back foot and a puncher like Smith is not used to having to punch off the back foot. I remember Tim Bradley, I think it was in round seven, made a really, really solid point um, because Smith punched, landed a nice left hook on Vlasov uh, off the ropes while Vlasov was trying to work uh, uh, when Smith had his back to ropes. And he landed a really solid left hook. And, and Bradley made a great point. He made an astute point. He said, 
The reason Vlasov took it so well is because he's forcing Smith to punch off the back foot. If, if, if Smith had stepped into that hook instead of stepping back as he threw the hook and threw it almost like a check, he would have had more dam a more damaging effect on Vlasov. Yeah. But I think this was all par for the course uh, as far as the plan for Vlasov to keep Smith backing up. Now, it's easier said than done because you're going to the puncher. So you've got to avoid taking the damage. But once you start consistently backing up the puncher, he loses confidence in his power and he loses a little bit of steam in his shots. Now, credit to Smith for making some adjustments. The fight was a back-and-forth affair. Um, I actually employed this tactic against Zab Judah. I remember Judah... Um, having a, a really solid three rounds in the, in, in the end of his fight against Danny Garcia, which he lost. But he really did a lot of damage to Garcia at the end of the, of the, of the fight, mm -hmm. six months prior to me fighting Zab. And I remember thinking, Judah's coming in with some confidence now, coming off the end of that fight. But, and it was competitive, and he, and he, and he gained a lot of, uh, uh, of positive uh, uh, critiquing uh, from the fight because people had thought that he was kind of done. So I said, you know, I've, and I've always known Zab was a guy who was a puncher, and he's got a, he's, he punches off of confidence. So I went into the fight thinking, I'm going to try to back him up. I'm going to try to stay in his face. And that, that tactic worked for me as well. Even the shots Zab landed in that fight didn't really have a, a big effect on me because I was keeping Zab backing up. So I think Vlasov, yeah. while he did this, he also showed world-class ability in doing this because you can't just go to Joe, a puncher like Joe Smith and, and, mm -hmm. and not get knocked out if you, if, you don't stand, if you stand right in front of him and be careless. Um, credit to Smith, though. He made some adjustments. Um, he let, the rounds he won, obviously, were powerful rounds. I do think round 11, he deserved a knockdown. I don't know what Gary Ritter was doing in the fight there uh, where not, he, he suddenly said uh, Vlasov went down because of a rabbit punch. But it was in the clinch, and Vlasov turned his head. So you see that happening all the time when you're trying to stay in the clinch and you turn your head away and trying to rest on a guy's shoulder, rest in a guy's chest. He was trying to smother... Smith, because Smith was hurt, and Smith just landed a shot in there, and, and, and he took a knee, but I don't think he took a knee from that rabbit punch. I think he took a knee because he'd been hurt to the body uh, dur during that assault that he was taking, mm -hmm. and I think he just looked for a, a, a way to take a knee, and Ritter didn't call it a knockdown. We've seen so many times that's called a knockdown, and I, and I think it, it should have been a knockdown there, and then Ritter took him to his own corner to recover from the alleged uh, uh, rabbit punch. So he's getting instruction from his own corner. You got to take him to got a neutral corner. I remember uh, Joe DeGuardia, Smith's promoter, and Carl Moretti uh, from Top Rank, who's Smith's co-promoter, were going crazy because Ritter's just standing in his own corner and he's getting instructions during the five-minute break from the alleged rabbit punch. Though Smith closed the show really strongly in round 12. Um, I could have had it a 6-6 fight, but I think the right guy got the decision just because I think he was uh, uh, he was screwed out of a, a, a knockdown in round 11, which in a 6-6 fight would have won him the fight anyway. So so uh, uh, I'd love to see a rematch. I don't know where you bring Joe Smith at this point because, you know, you he's he's a solid lunch pail kind of guy. But you put him in with Bitter BF, he might knock out Bitter BF or he might get knocked out by Bitter BF. Exactly. It's a completely explosive yeah. fight. He's already fought Bivol, and although he hurt Bivol in the fight, Bivol won the fight kind of one-sided. So as far as unification, those are your options, but you want to go in killer mode. I think my my play here for Joe Smith, i like to see a rematch of Vlasov. You know, there's enough interest. It was a very entertaining fight, and I think Smith can probably make the adjustments to do better in the second fight. Vlasov is 34 years old. Uh, he he did a, had a really solid performance with Smith. Came up just short. But I think it gives Smith a chance to show his ability to adjust, make the adjustments, and win the fight more one-sidedly. Maybe even stop Vlasov. Um, and I think it would be entertaining to think about. I I, I think Bitter BF, Bivol, a risk fights, and Smith has a sort of a 
you know, bring your lunch, go to work for the day kind of style. So those kind of guys can be beaten uh, if they don't get the knockout. So I'd love to see a rematch with Velasco, personally. New York's still strong in boxing. Come on. New York has still got it. Come on. That's why he took all that time, because you just didn't yeah, remember yeah, New York. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. In the news, the Ring Magazine rankings are out. Uh, I will read them to you right now. We have Kazuto Ayoko at number 10, Josh Taylor at number 9, Vasily Lomachenko at number 8, Juan Francisco Estrada at number 7, Teofimo uh, Lopez at number 6, Errol Spence at number 5, Usyk at number 4, Terence Crawford at number 3, Inoue at number 2, and Canelo Alvarez at number 1. Before we continue, do you agree? Do you ever uh, agree with, with the ring? Um, You know... uh. The, it's tough with the top three. My my top guy is Terrence Crawford right now. You know, um, um, but I mean, you can't really knock Canelo being there. Um, I really like Inouye as well. You know, I, I like Inouye as well. Yeah. But I, I'd like to see I like to see more of him. I I, I think he was a little bit too hittable in, in the Donaire fight. Uh, but mm-hmm. but then again, even a a guy like Donaire is uh, uh you know you're not gonna find as many that many guys that sharp and that fast. Um, and he still got by that, you know, relatively comfortable uh, at the end of the day. It was finally a chance to see Inouye in a 12-round fight where he's not blowing somebody out of the water. So I was glad to have been able to see that. My guy, my top guy is still Terrence Crawford. Um, I like Usyk being up there, um, but I think Usyk is a little bit in a stagnated position because I don't think he's going to be big enough to win a world heavyweight title. Uh, he dominated a cruiserweight, so obviously the next logical step would have been to be a heavyweight, but I don't know to what level he can maintain uh, superiority at heavyweight. Uh, solid win over Chisora for sure, but um, I, I I start to wonder because he, he first of all he's not going to get Joshua and Fury because it looks like they're still trying to make that fight. And say let's say they don't make that fight, you're really going to pick Usyk uh, over a Joshua over a Fury? I don't. Regardless of regardless of how good he is, um, I think the the lack of size is really going to really hurt him. You know, uh, uh, even more so against Fury, but. Um, Maybe he could be mildly competitive against Joshua, but I'd still favor Joshua in that fight. Um, so I, even having Usyk at number four, um, I don't see Usyk with any room to grow from that four position yeah. at that point, even if you have him. Um, Tofimo, is, is there anyone missing from this list that you would have him? Um, I like Better Beef, man. You know, I think he's <laughs> I think he's a scary guy. Yeah, no, I think that's a good shout. Well, do you know what? I, I'm looking at this list. It's, it's hard to argue with the ring because they're obviously strenuously going through it. And, and oh, I argue. I, I argue. I argue. I argue with them all the time, but it's okay. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. Um, but I agree. I'm not sure if Usyk should be there right now. He's now a heavyweight that we're, we're yet to see what he does in the heavyweight division. Uh, Babetia should probably be in there. What I found interesting is that there is not one heavyweight in this pound for pound list. Obviously, at this time of recording, right now, AJ and Fury are both finalizing the site as we speak. So we don't know where that's going to be, but we, we, we're guessing where it could be. I'm going to guess that it is in Saudi. I, I've got a, a, a sneaky feeling that once you get into bed with the Saudis, <laughs> you stay in bed with the Saudis. Yeah. When, you know what they say? Once you go Middle East, you don't go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I, think, I, yeah I, I, I don't think the there's a heavyweight in there because they've just not been busy. You know, everybody else yeah. is making noise, uh, looking impressive. 
making statement, having statement wins. And the heavyweight division, uh, at least the guys who might be on the pound for pound list, have not really been busy lately. So I think that's why they've kind of slid out of uh, out of everyone's attention. But you know, they're they're world class guys, and I think a a solid performance by the winner of Fury and Joshua puts himself in position to be in that uh, pound for pound list. Um. All right. In terms of this pound for pound list, if we're making our own, what is your top three? Uh, I'm gonna go with Crawford one, and then it gets yep. a little bit. Then it gets a little bit uh, shaky, you know. After after Crawford's my my definitive number one, and I don't necessarily know that he beats Spence, mind you. Spence is a naturally bigger guy who's got enough mm-hmm. skills to offset uh, Crawford. But I, I I rate Crawford on the pound for pound list because he's won several titles in different weight classes, and so that that carries that carries on the pound for pound list uh, your uh, resume, so to speak. Yeah. But after that, um. I, I could put Canelo too at this point, you know. Uh, especially, I, I love the fact that he's fighting Billy Joe. Um, that if he if he wins the Billy Joe fight, I think he really makes a statement towards yeah. where he 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 can he can be on the pound for pound list. Crawford beating Pacquiao is also uh, would be a good statement if if he's able to get get that fight and get that win. Uh, but people will always detract the saying Pacquiao was older. Meantime, every time we see this guy Pacquiao fighting, he's 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 taking on top guys and beating them, and and, and even at his age. So. Um, is he gonna get? Is it gonna be a question that he gets old overnight when he fights Crawford, or is it gonna be a question that you have to get credit Crawford because based on what Pacquiao's done lately in his in ring career, it's still been high level. You know, you can't can't Monday morning quarterback these kind of things uh, afterwards. You know, you have to make your yeah. decision before that. You know, so I, I think uh, Crawford, if he gets a statement win over Pacquiao and Canelo, if he gets a statement win over Billy Joe, uh, really get, puts himself uh, at, at a solid one or two position. You can kind of start interchanging those guys. Uh, three. I don't have a problem with Inouye either being the top three. Uh, I don't think he. I don't see him getting beat for a while. Um, yeah. uh, I I could I could see Inouye at, in Inouye at, at number three. Um, I don't see I don't see Inouye getting beat for a while, and I think uh he can, he's got a chance to um uh really continue to make statements. I'd like I don't know what opponents really stick out to me uh, at this point for Inouye. Uh, you know, in those small weight classes, you you want a, the, some really some yeah. some some really good dance partners, um, and uh, Inouye deserves all the credit he's getting. He's he's world class. He's tremendously world class. He's tremendous power. But but uh, I'd love to see a, a marquee matchup with Inouye, and I don't I don't know that anybody's going to be able to come out of that uh, in in and around those weight classes to to give themselves some star status, some star power, uh, because Inouye's going to just take out everybody around him. It's going to it's going to end up becoming like the Roy Jones era where nobody else was able to um, really join the elite forces and and create a demand because Roy was beating them all right away. You know, so so we'll see. Uh, but I, I I still think Inouye for that reason this does deserve credit. I don't think anybody's going to be around him. Well, it basically uh, gonna, means gonna, gonna, that 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 your top three is pretty close. To yeah. the rings in uh, the, their top three is, is Canelo, Anoue, and Crawford. Yours would just be that almost flipped on his head. And mine yeah. would be that exact three with Canelo at the top, Terence Crawford, then Anoue. So for all the disagreeing we do with the ring, it seems that we do just as much agreeing as with them. So Yeah. Oh, of course. They are, they, are, they, are, they are pros. I'm just not scared to disagree if I have to. But, but in this case, <laughs> not too much disagreement, just a little bit. All right. Into our predictions. Um, we have Demetrius Andrade fighting Liam Williams this weekend. What are you predicting for that fight? I mean, I'm predicting an Andrade win. I think it's just criminal what they're doing to Demetrius Andrade. I think it's criminal. He is one of the most talented guys in this generation, and he's going to yep. end up retiring 
and probably going to have to go get a job. You know, when he yeah. should have made enough money from boxing to live out the rest of his life. Right? He is... He, we, when we talk pound for pound list, we should be talking Demetrius Andre. We, we talk yeah. top fighters, we should be talking Demetrius Andre. But he gets kind of pushed to the back burner, uh, fighting these non-entity kind of fights. Wins them easily, and then everybody says, oh, he's not fighting anybody. Nobody fights him. And when, you know, I'll tell you what's going to happen to this guy. He's going to get past his prime, which is going to happen soon because he's in his 30s. And then one of the big boys is going to fight him and knock him out. And people are going to say, see, he wasn't that good to begin with. It's it's criminal. I mean, it's, it's yeah. to me, it's criminal. I I got Andre in the fight, but I I I can't talk about Demetrius Andre without mentioning how criminal uh, his career has been treated. Well, he's he's gonna have to have a big couple of years, really, and really put his foot down, or or the people around yeah, him, people working for the people him. People around got they have to make the yeah. fights. The fights have yeah. to be made. You know, it's great. You, I didn't have to see Canelo fight Avni Ildrim. I didn't have to see that fight. I could have. I would have much rather seen him fight Andre. But you know, they made they they made, made Avni Ildrim. He might, now might you can't go happen. Now you, can't, now you can't complain about Canelo fighting Billy Joe because Billy Joe's world class. But yeah. nonetheless, between that and that, uh, Andre is still on the outside looking in. Not yeah. fair. Not fair at all. I'm going for a Demetrius Andre win as well. So that is both of us. I'm going to probably stick pretty close to you on these um, on these predictions this time around. Jake Paul versus Ben Askin. I'm going Jake Paul. Uh, so do I. I got Jake Paul in this fight. Uh I, I'm curious. This is like a spectacle kind of fight, you know, uh, because you, it's a progression for Jake Paul. Uh, you're just throwing in Askren because Askren just needs to show his face after getting knocked out in three seconds. He needs to do something. So, so I, I think, um, I think, uh, um, and I, I think you know what's funny? I heard Askren was mad at me for for saying it, but I mean, it's I'm being you serious, think? bro. You I'm think? being, but but here's the problem with Askren. I have, I have with Askren. You, if you're gonna dish it, you have gotta take it too. I remember Askren yeah. was talking a lot of crap about me uh, when I lost the Lobo fight in the in the bare knuckle fight. But at least with the Lobo fight, anybody with eyes knows I really won the fight and got robbed. Yeah. Askren got knocked out in three seconds. When your whole fight can wind up in an Instagram post, not in an Instagram IGTV post, and an Instagram post, a regular post, bro, that's a problem if you didn't win. That's a, that's a big problem for me. You know what I'm saying? So so I, I, I it wasn't like I was criticizing him to say, oh, you know, he, he, the, the criticism is not deserved. First of all, the criticism is deserved. And then... Masvidal comes out the other day and puts up a video of the post fight with me and Broner with the whole situation I had with that stalker chick and all that stuff. And of course, you guys know the story. I don't want to give her more media than she needs. But nonetheless, Masvidal, so I guess Masvidal was mad that I was, you know, big up in his KO. You know, it's funny. It's, I, I follow Masvidal on Instagram. I think he's an interesting guy. And I, I think I've, been, I've enjoyed his career. But what I notice about these MMA guys is, uh, especially these some of these weird UFC guys is they they when they know they're on the outs of their career they just start a beef with me. Conor McGregor was on his way out and he's and he's barely won a fight since and he started a beef with me at, at that point right when he was about to get uh, uh, beat by Mayweather and he knew it and then he has barely won a fight since. I think Masvidal's doing the same thing if I'm honest. I think that. You know, he got outclassed by Usman, his last fight. He's going to rematch Usman now. He's probably going to get dragged all over the place again by Usman in that cage again. So he probably is already preparing for his post-fight uh, promotion. 
in that he's let, he's saying, okay, let me let me start a beef with Malinaji because it always goes well because he always talks a lot of stuff back and keeps me in the press. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's smart, I guess. You know, McG- it works for McGregor. He, people still talk about the beef with me and him, even though he's but getting it, beat it, from pillar. To, even though he gets beat, even though he's getting. But here's the thing: McGregor's always getting beat from pillar to post every fight. But hey, at least you know people talk. People can always bring up the positivity of his three seconds of highlights he had in our sparring with Masvidal. You know, it's. It's it's kind of the same thing now. He's like, you know, he he, he knows he's going to get dragged from pillar to post all, all over the place. I mean, Usman has more time to prepare for him specifically this time. Because last time, I think Masvidal wound up being a last-minute replacement. So Usman wasn't exactly prepped for that particular style. Bro, you're probably going to get dragged all over the place again. Beat from pillar to post. So you started the beef with me. Smart of you. Good stuff. So I'm going to give you the abuse back. If you're going to dish it, you got to take it back. Going to enjoy getting you see your butt whooped, though. I'm guessing that means Jake Poole... Stops Ben Askren. Yeah, and that's not even to say because I don't like Ben Askren. It's because, I mean, it's kind of obvious. The guy's got no hand skills. In a striking fight, we saw what it, what he we saw his capabilities or lack thereof. And I don't think Jake Paul is, you know, of a, of a nearly level, obviously. I think everybody knows that. But he's been boxing for a couple of years now. You know, he, he knows his way around things. And... If he can get over the the mental the mental pressure, because it's going to be a little bit of mental pressure here, uh, when you're fighting a guy who's actually done some combat, I think when you're in there, you know, you're you're going to handle your business. But let's see, let's see. I'm I'm curious to see about that too. Let's see how Jake Paul's mental is in this fight, because he is going to get a guy who's going to stand up to him just a little bit more than uh, the last two opponents. So we're going to see. Like I was talking about Clarissa Shields with the character, we're gonna ha- we're gonna see a little bit of character revealed in Jake Paul, and we're gonna see where it's at. I think Askren does have character. If if he's not conscious, he can't show you that, like in the Masvidal fight. But I think Askren does have some character. I don't expect him to go just go away easily. Yeah. Uh, Again, we're having world champions on undercards of of. I I won't call it a YouTube fight because it's not a YouTube fight, but a celebrity fights. It's it's a comedy. (laughs) It's a comedy bout. But call it this, yeah. Um, Outside the box. It is. It is. But. Is it good for boxing? Is it, is it good for the fighters? You know, is all exposure good exposure? Yeah, I, I think all exposure is good exposure. Boxing needs all the help it can get as far as getting exposure. And I think these guys, uh, these YouTube fights, uh, YouTube fighters, YouTube celebs kind of bring that, especially the Paul brothers. They've really done a good job of marketing themselves off their boxing. Personally, I had no clue who they were until... Uh, until uh, they're boxing, you know, so so they got they, a guy like me now is fully aware of who they are, yeah. you know, so so their boxing work for them. So vice versa, possibly it works the same way where Jake Paul and Logan Paul fans are now getting to know certain fighters on their undercards, you know, uh, you know, be it that they may be world class or not. And you're seeing a lot of world class guys on those undercards. But the bottom line remains the viewership is going to be at a high level because of the fact that they are the ones bringing the viewers. So you've got to put them on the undercard because you know what? You're going to wind up like the situation I saw in Miami um, mm-hmm. in last January in t- 2020 where Jake Paul was fighting the other YouTube guy in his first pro boxing match. They're both of their first pro boxing matches. And Demetrius Andre against Luke Keeler was the main event. And so you did it that time where you put the YouTuber on the undercard. What happens? Three quarters of the arena left after Jake, after Jake Paul's fight. So... Mm-hmm. The, the the world champion is fight uh, at the time I think uh, uh, Andre was defending the WBO title. You've you've got him, you've got the world champion just you know f- f- performing in a, in a in an empty arena. You know, and this was before all the arenas were getting closed for COVID. You know, so yeah. so 
So I, I understand why now they 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 reverse the order. You know, uh, yeah. it makes sense. A lot of the viewership is gonna tune in for uh, Jake Paul, and even MMA has a lot of fans. I mean, the MMA fans watch anything where their guys are involved. You know, that's the reason you can make these crossover fights. I mean, I don't think boxers will watch Floyd Mayweather. Boxing fans will watch Floyd Mayweather doing a swimming contest. I don't think you'll you know you'll have no. that. But or or or, or in, a, in a table tennis tournament or something. But but MMA fans watch anything that their guys do. Anything. If, if their guys flying a kite, they'll watch it. You know. So so <laughs> so I so you can get these people to watch anything as long as you put one of their fighters in there. Um, uh, and so uh, and so Askren is also going to bring a lot to the table as far as uh, the fans. Right on this day in the uh, 2019, the 12th of April. Ex-boxer pundit Anthony Kroloff fought Vasil Lomachenko. Um, and it, it wasn't the greatest of nights for him. It, it very rarely is for anybody that fights Vasily Lomachenko. Um, but he said, I don't want to go out like that. But the end is near. As a fighter, are you aware when you're you're on the slide, when, when you feel like maybe you're trying to squeeze blood out of a stone and, and get one more big performance out? Are you Do you know... When the end is close? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, personally, for me, I was just trying to uh, keep the checks uh, at, a, at a, of a certain level, at least. You know, so I was saying if I can just squeeze out a couple of wins, you know, the, the, the checks are still going to be good, you know. But once yeah. you start to lose at, at, at a lower level, you realize the checks are not going to be good. So you're probably better off just retiring, you know. So I, I think Corolla have saying that at that point, I think he understood. It wasn't the fact that he lost to Lomachenko. It was probably the way he lost to Lomachenko that made him realize the end was near. Um, a lot of times you'll see you're not able to pull the trigger as fast. You're, you're hesitating more. Shots are affecting you more. You're feeling the punches more because, you know, you're going to only take so many punches in a career before you become shot. So you maybe you realize you don't take as good of a punch anymore. Um, you, uh, you're, you're not as sure of yourself in those, in those pockets. And, you know, it's, and also, you know, one big thing I, I found that's problematic, you become more injury prone preparing for fights. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to pre- train hard, just like you did when you're younger. And you, you go into camp with that mental with that mental approach that you're going to train very, very hard. But now as you're older, you train that hard and you're going to get injured and not even get to the fight. So now you've got to figure out other ways to train. And like Floyd Mayweather always says, you train smarter, not harder as you get older. But sometimes, you know, it's easier said than done because your mind is used to telling you you're not prepared for a fight unless you train this way. And all of a sudden now you've got to convince your mind it's going to be okay. I can prepare another way and still be prepared for the fight. But ultimately it does take a toll on your performances and, uh, Aging is uh is nature. Nobody win. Nobody beats father time. One more very important on this day comes from 1865, 16th of April, when John Douglas actually created the new rules of boxing, the Queensbury rules, transformed the sport wow. into what it is today. Um, I didn't expect that one to pop up. If I'm totally honest, that, that's a that's a big one. It's not a fight, but it's it's the reason we have boxing as it is today. Yeah, wow, yeah, the Queensbury rules, Marcus of Queensbury rules, they were made in England, correct? Yeah, so correct. You guys take, you guys can take credit for those because those, those, those started to modernize the game and uh, little by little we've got the, the the sport of boxing that we have today. Ironic, I didn't even know, I thought, I, I figured the, the the guy's name would have Queensbury in there. I didn't, I didn't know what the Marcus of Queensbury was. I thought it was just the guy's name who, who, who made the rules. <laughs> <laughs> the only John Douglas I know was this this cruiserweight journeyman I used to spar in Gleason's gym back in the day. It's probably, oh, so. his, it's probably his grandson or something like that. It's like yeah, something. But <laughs> um, do you know what? Speaking on that, as a final question before we, we clock out, if you could change one thing 
one rule about boxing, what would it be? Oh, man. If I could change one thing, um, let's see. I would... I would probably say that there needs to be a neutral panel, a neutral panel judging the judges. And, and a, a neutral yeah. panel meaning, meaning somebody who can't be swayed to take the side of the judges or, 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 uh, or, or forgive them, be as forgivable for bad decisions or bad scorecards, you know? And, and this neutral panel should only be called into question should only be called into work when there is absolutely ridiculous scorecards where the majority of people of, of the population um feels like that scorecard was absolutely ridiculous think about it like uh the the, the canelo golovkin uh first scorecard with uh, first fight with adelaide bird or um or even my 118 10 loss scorecard the one diaz uh, with uh, Gail Van Hoy was the judge there um, or you know countless others I think there needs to be a panel a neutral panel and obviously this is just wishful thinking I don't think it's ever going to happen yeah. I think there needs to be a neutral panel a, a panel so neutral that it, it, they cannot be uh, bought or they cannot be uh, swayed by friendships or, or, or uh, contacts within and those people should be able to now take a vote on whether that judge should ever be allowed to judge again, ever. You know what I'm saying? Lifetime bans. Yeah, lifetime yeah. ban. Because if you put on scorecards like that, that means you can be bought, swayed, uh, influenced in some ways that is just not with that is just not going to help the sport, and it can ha happen again and again and again. Um, there was. Uh, it's funny. We we brought this up when somebody asked the question, uh, "Who was what were the scorecards when I stopped Senchenko in 2012?" One of the judges had him. Winning the fight when in a fight I was dominating. So, so again, think people like that. They need to be out of the sport. They need to they need to be eliminated. Uh, like like a weed in the garden. You know, a garden is a beautiful thing, but you got weeds. You 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 know, it's gonna mess up the garden. So, yeah. corrupt judges because I call them corrupt judges. It can't be nobody's that bad. Nobody's yeah. that stupid. You know, so no matter what, when you say what were they watching? No, no, they knew what they were watching. They just they just did it on purpose. So corrupt judging. Uh, to keep it allowed to be going, it's basically organized crime, you know, yeah, because it it's benefiting it somebody. Is. For them to keep be allowed to keep working, it's basically organized crime. So you you talk about the days of organized crime and the and the mafia was in boxing. Personally, it's the same thing, just in a different entity is controlling things now. So, as a matter of fact, a lot of times when the mafia was controlling boxing, it was probably more more clean than it is now in some ways, you know. So so uh, and it was probably flowing better than it is now, you know. So um. I think that at this point, that would be a wish of mine. But it's probably just wishful thinking. People have contacts in high places, and they always get to work again and again and again. So that's yeah, if you, I could change gone, one thing. You've gone for the best. You've gone for the best. The yeah. best improvement I, to the sport. If I'm totally yeah, honest, I would have done yeah. something stupid. I would have put like slide tackles in. Or something. <laughs> or something or else. Leg kicks. Leg <laughs> kicks. <laughs> away game. Yeah. <laughs> Home and away match. That's what I want. A double header. That's all we have time for today. Um, it has been a pleasure. Paulie, we've done it again. I try and get this show under 30 minutes and I just can't. You know what it is, man? I talk too much. I've it's always you. had that problem. It is. It's you. I've always yeah. had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> As always, remember to like, comment, subscribe, ask us questions. Stay locked to Boxer and we will see you next week.